This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Mautatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> it's me, your boy, and we got Drew, the man himself. Oh, what's going on, dude? I'm vibing. Trying to get healthy. I'm trying, trying to get healthy. To, trying to stay healthy in this crazy time of summer. Dude, and, and like, for real, that's that's where we're starting this episode. Dude, for real, though, we need to. The, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been feeling absolutely terrible, gained a bunch of weight. So I said no more. So I'm hopping on that paleo diet, hopping on that gym. My brother's okay. friend is a personal trainer. He's coming. He, so I didn't even ask for this. He's like coming up with a workout plan for me for like free. That's awesome, dude. Like, I guess my brother was just like, yeah, can you hook my brother up? Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. No, those are like. Those cost a lot of money. <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, dude, send me his Venmo. And he goes, no, he said it's for free. Heck yeah, dude. I was like, I don't deserve that. <laughs> like, that's that's crazy. So, you, get, about, to, about to come pull up on the podcast ripped. Well, I, I'm glad that he's not letting me pay for it, though, because now I'm going to feel so guilty that I have to go. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to guilt you into working out regularly. <laughs> exactly. Like genius. Dude, that's that's genius level subconscious how he should do it he should have it like a back-end system right so like the guilt is what fuels you to go and then whenever you hit your goal weight you have to pay him like ten dollars per every pound that you lost there you go actually maybe we'll, we'll, we'll turn it into like 25 yeah that'd, that'd be a nice investment <laughs> so at the end you, you lose 40 pounds you're paying like 120 dollars or something like that. Well, yeah, if you lose twenty pounds, it'd be like twelve fifty, yeah. something like that. Did I do that math right? No, I, I didn't. No, yeah, I did. No, I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, we are musicians. We are not math teachers, though we were decent at math. Probably twenty-five math times math. forty is a thousand. Yeah. Where did I get twelve fifty? I failed algebra two. All right. Twenty five times forty. <laughs> That's amazing. Anyway, anyway we're today's super episode is going to be about your first studio setup. What yeah. you've been waiting for, besides the people who have had a studio setup, but maybe you'll learn something because. Uh, we're going to go into some things that we kind of picked up along the way that we mm. wish that we knew a lot sooner. For sure. For sure. No, I think, and I think it'll be important for, even if you already have a studio set up, taking stock and kind of what we're saying. And I'm sure there'll be pieces of what we're talking about where you're gonna be like, Hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I should add that into my system or, Hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I should, um, you know, Try doing that or, you know, maybe make you a little better add to the existing thing you already have. Um, So I guess the first place to start 
is, firstly, what are you going to do? Yeah, what, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, Why are you doing it? Um, to, And this will kind of be a long, it's a less, you know, sexy gear conversation and more of like a mental conversation of, um, it's really of two things, right? Uh, it's somewhere in between what gets you work and what you enjoy doing. Uh, so to kind of expand on that, um, I think before this, you should probably have been trying to do a bunch of different things, you know, uh, or maybe this is the beginning, try a bunch of stuff, uh, try mixing, try producing, try songwriting with people, do as much things as you can. But in doing all of that, you are going to see what you're really good at and what people keep coming back to you for. And then also what you're actually like, what you enjoy. Um, so let's say, so like Josh, you can give us an example of like a personal example. <laughs> I still get hit up to produce metal songs. Yeah, dude. And it's just like, I could do that, but I hate it. I just hate it. So I don't do it. But like, I, I was doing it and I was doing mm-hmm. fine and like everything was cool. So like what we're trying to get at is like, if you're going to figure out what you're going to do, you have to pay attention to what people are hitting you up for. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I still get hit up for some metal stuff. Don't really enjoy it. So all I do is I'll take on the smaller projects. I'll mix metal songs, which like nobody hits me up for. And I will, um, do like post-production work on metal songs, which mm-hmm. people still hit me up for it. And I have a blast doing it because I have no stress at all. Whenever mm-hmm. it comes to it, I literally just sit down with a track. I do my thing. I send it back and they're like, Oh my God, you are literally a God. And I say, I know. And I collect the bag and then I move on. Yep. And so I think that that's super important. The flip side of this is like, what do you like doing? Mm-hmm. And then there's also a third thing that I forgot to put in the notes here, but it's what makes you uncomfortable because okay. there's certain things that we want to do that we feel really uncomfortable with. And, you know, like me, I've been listening to a bunch of reggaeton. I want to work on that style of music so bad, but I feel really uncomfortable because like it's brand new to me. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's like when, especially whenever you get into like these um, like big cultural divides, like you never want to like make disrespectful art, but Mm -hmm. I do want to like have a hand in helping out on certain things because it's something that I really, really like. Same with country music. I want to get into it because it's new and it makes me uncomfortable and I'm not particularly great at it. And I I think that that's a huge dynamic is like, you know, regardless of what you choose to do, you should always be growing in the sense that you're taking on work that you are kind of afraid that you might not be able to deliver on. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's, that's not too much, but not too much because you don't want to under deliver. Yeah. 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 You got to be like comfortable enough to be able to say yes, but uncomfortable enough to not be, a hundred percent sure what you're gonna do if that makes sense. right like, like your 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 fundamental strengths mm-hmm. all need to be there yeah we're talking about like the nitty-gritty stuff so it's like you know? i know how to songwrite or produce or mix but i have never songwritten produced or mixed like you said reggaeton music right 
So I've done all of these things, but I've not done it for this specific style. So that's where the uncomfortability lies is in the familiar familiarity with the specific genre of music, not necessarily the job. Right. Like I don't want to write that kind of music. I want to produce it. Exactly. Because I know I can produce it and do it justice. Mm -hmm. I know I can't write it. I mean, also, I, I can't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, past a Spanish one level. Shout mm -hmm. out to high school. So, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of stuck there. But with country music, I don't want to produce it because I know I can't do it. I want to write it because I know I can write it. Mm -hmm. It's just a different world and it makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, and there's like certain songwriting like tropes and things that you would have to learn that are very different from pop and alt pop which is kind of where and rock music which is kind of where you've lived so far right yeah it's like unless it's like suburban white boy hip-hop or you know super clean like love style pop or mm -hmm. like more rocky kind of things then i'm kind of out of the loop you know so like country music is like super about like these weird kind of wordplay things and, and storytelling areas yeah like that's really all it is and if anything i think it just makes you a better writer because then you're mm -hmm. able to go back to that hip-hop song and you're like oh i could i could make this a lot more narrative without it being corny yep you know and so i just think that that's a super super important thing to pay attention to is like just because you're starting here doesn't mean you have to end here For and sure. just because you don't know how to do everything now doesn't mean you won't eventually know how to so with that idea in mind bringing it back to this individual who's not 100 percent sure what they're going to do do a bunch of stuff and decide, hey, I mean, really, it falls into a couple categories. You know, there's not like a plethora of options, right? You you songwrite, you produce and like arrange, you mix or you master. Engineer, you miss or, that. Or, or you track, you track slash like Which engineer. That's actually a great point. So, yeah, you know, a lot of times like engineering is looked at as like kind of like the bottom of the barrel. But for people like me who didn't come up in a traditional studio setting, I couldn't even pass as an engineer. Like mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't. I know how to mic up a drum kit. I've done it a few times. Like I, I love working with drums because you get to be really creative. But I am not confident enough to actually sit down in a real session and be like, yeah, this is what we should do. Yeah, like you know? we're going to use this into this into this into this and that's going to sound sick on this dude's voice or that's going to sound this sick on this specific snare and we're going to tune it this way and we're going to mic right. it this way. and Like yeah. vocals, vocals, I'm good any day of the week. Yeah. Regardless of what type of vocal it is, I'll be able to get the job done. But like, you know, engineering like a full like live tracking thing. That's or just orchestra. Thing. Like yeah, orchestras like, terrify me because there's so many different ways to mic those. Bro, it just seems like Phase City. I don't like it. And the routing involved is just nuts. And there's so um, many people. And then, like, they can't mm -hmm. play to a click. And it's just like, <laughs> No shade. Bro. Uh, so, but, so, they kind of live in, I guess that was six things that I said, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll say engineering, songwriting, producing, mixing, mastering. No, that was five. That I'm, I think I said six, and I'm trying to remember what the other one was. You said like arranging, but you said that as like production. Also. Oh yeah, yeah, production and arranging are kind of like the same thing. Okay, um, and songwriting it kind of falls into songwriting, so we will just kind of nix that and say those five things, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of based on those five things, um, that kind of determines your steps moving forward, really. 
because it, it it's going to determine how you brand yourself. It's going to determine where you work. It's going to determine your gear choices. It's going to determine how you approach your clients. Um, the word, the verbiage used in, you know, conversations where you set your prices, uh, and how, how oh, yeah, you, rates are everything. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like that, like those, <gasps> depending on what you do, a, a, a rate for a mastering engineer, a mixing engineer and a songwriter are going to look totally different. And then it's different in each genre too. Like, I don't, yeah, I exactly. think I said it on here before. Like I tripled my rate just by switching genres. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you got to look at what genre kind of what you want to be involved with. But to me, that's even like, that's almost even secondary to picking what of these positions that you kind of want to fall into. Mm -hmm. Um, So of those five, do all of them, try all of them, find what you like, kind of find what you're naturally good at, uh, find what you end up getting hit up for or paid for the most. And like we said, find one that find something, you know, that you're good at, but then like try one of the things that you're really good at in a different genre that you're uncomfortable with. And if you still really like those things, try to find a way to marry those options, right? Pretty much all of them can be done. And like, also just because you write something off doesn't mean that like, it doesn't work out for you in another genre. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, like I was saying, like that's what I like being uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. Like I I like doing post production stuff for metal because it's a blast. I love writing and producing hip hop. I love writing and producing pop music. Um, I love uh, tracking and editing vocals. I love engineering vocals. It's a blast. Mm -hmm. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, and uh, that's something that like it's kind of hit or miss. It's like the drum people. You know, like some people either hate doing drums or they love doing drums. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love doing vocals. And then, um, you know, I, I just think like you, you have to try all these things to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I want to mix hip hop music. Like I, I, they, I love mixing hip hop, but like, I don't love mixing metal. Yeah. And if I had never tried, then I would have just thought, yeah, maybe mixing isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like exactly that. And yeah, if you, if people you, try to if bo- you find something, in. That, uh, yeah, if you find something that you really don't like. Try it in a, in a different genre or try it a couple more times. Um, never. I, I, I like to follow the rules of three. I, I like follow this with restaurants, too. It's like I give a place three times um, to show me that they're worth coming back to. Right. Uh, most of the time that rule of three comes into if it's a really bad place, I'll only end up going there twice. But like that's rule of threes can really kind of be said for these five like areas of working it's like try doing this three different times in three different genres and each of them and if you enjoy one more than the other or you don't like one maybe you like it in a specific genre then you kind of know where to take everything for yourself so um we can kind of we'll, we'll kind of speak on what we do so uh, producer and more on the mixing side of things for me and Josh, you kind of take the vocal uh, songwriter and more pop producer side of things. Okay. And I'll take the more like rock mixer slash producer. Okay. Um, neither of us master. We can touch on mastering kind of as we go. 
But what do you mean, dude? I bought newfangled elevator. <laughs> None of us are real mastering engineers. <laughs> they were talking about all kinds of crazy stuff with loudness and metering. And yeah, dude. That's whenever I realized, man, maybe I should just send everything out for mastering just so I can make sure that like these everything's like right. Yeah, mind. exactly. I have no clue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's go on to the next one. So based on kind of where we're going to be looking at, Josh, uh, let's look at where we would work. So let's start with songwriter, right? Anywhere. So songwriter, kind of work anywhere. anywhere. Uh, all Dude, you whenever basically... I was, whenever I had to come back here for a funeral in August, I was literally writing a song. Um, uh, our spare bedroom was taken at the time, so I was up in my brother's room, and he was like playing Valorant or something. And uh, I had my laptop up, but I didn't bring an audio interface with me. So I was sitting there, and I was listening to the track and recording vocals on my voice notes app and then airdropping them into Cubase where I would then tune them and clean them up. <laughs> and, uh, it was just one of those moments where I was like, I, I don't have an excuse. Like I could literally do this from anywhere. Yeah, dude, exactly. Like, yeah, they, and they make, they even make apps for that kind of thing. Right. So they make, uh, there's an app that I use for songwriting called hum. Uh, it's a paid app, but it has like, um, you can do like the full chord chart with your lyrics and everything and like pick keys and uh, pick a color mood and like color board it and everything. And then you can um, filter your song, all your songs written by like mood and color and that kind of stuff. It's pretty dope. Uh, That's sick. Did I just blow your mind a little bit? Yeah, little it's pretty bit. sick. And uh, it's got like a little, uh, it's got a tuner in it. So if you have like an acoustic guitar or something, like you can tune the guitar through the app and then play. Uh, it's pretty cool. So like, like you said, there's kind of no excuse, especially with things like voice notes and hum. And like, all you really need is a pen and paper and a creative mind. Yeah. And like as a songwriter, like you can literally record a part on voice notes and send it to a producer and be like, hey, can you produce this out? Yeah, exactly. Um, especially if your homies with somebody that, you know, you get a good rapport with a homie. Um, so, OK, let's go to kind of what we both let's kind of go to the next part. Uh, producers. So. I would say the same could be true for producers. But in, hip -hop, uh, sure. in the pop world, it is the truth. And in yeah. the hip hop world. Yeah, especially in hip hop. A lot of those guys don't even work with audio interfaces. They just have FL Studio up and they're just grinding. Mm -hmm. um, pop music, I would think that you would just have like a smaller setup. Like on my, well, basically what I have, just mm -hmm. an interface, a microphone and a few instruments. Yeah. So um, and then for more of the rock stuff. You, I would say you would want probably at least a bedroom or um, an office space or something like that to work out of. Yeah, well, the way I look at it is like one of the most successful producers right now in metal is Drew Folk, and he literally owns a bungalow, and the band stay in the bungalow, and he has, I think, just two rooms yeah. dedicated to actually 
like music stuff. So he has this like little control room, which is like a spare bedroom. Then he has the other spare bedroom, which is like a vocal tracking booth or something like yeah, that. I think it's just a tracking room where they can put amps or people or whatever yeah, they need and, to. And like yeah. I know I know the stuff that like Drew and Jeff are working on, like they typically take DIs and reamp. Like mm-hmm. everything is basically in the box. All their records have programmed drums unless if the artist tracks them elsewhere. No, like, yeah, the like, Fit for a King stuff was tracked in Texas, but everything yeah, else was like, done at Folk's place. Yeah, like they sat down and like wrote all the drum parts together mm-hmm. and then he tracked Took them later. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I think that it's still pretty flexible even with these bigger productions. It is I mean, I mean, honestly, man, me and from a songwriter and producer perspective, uh when me and uh my my band is on the road, like we write in the van. Mm-hmm. So, and like, we'll produce out tracks in the van. Like I'll do production work on the road all the time. It really just depends on like what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What uh, stage you're in. Yeah. The context of it. Um, some people songwrite and produce better around other people. You know, they can't, you know, like a band, like more of the traditional, like we're going to get in a room with our amps and our drums and we're just going to be loud. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something to be said for that, but like in the more modern sense, it's kind of unnecessary. You can kind of do it wherever you want. Um, okay, so engineering. Honestly, almost anywhere. Because like, which is crazy it, for me it, to it say. It depends on what. It depends on what you need. Like yeah, you, like I could easily engineer a full rock record in a single room or you could just go run a studio. So, okay. So there's, this is where we kind of get into like different models of studio uh, with this one specifically. There are, so obviously you have the, the bedroom model, which is like what I have, right? The bedroom or the apartment room, extra room in the house, you treat it, whatever. And this is where you work out of. Cool. You have your home studio. There is the uh, more full built out, your traditional like, you know, huge Nashville or L.A. or New York City studios where you have like an A room, a B room and two C rooms and these huge consoles and all that stuff. Right. That's like your your full huge build out studio. And. Nowadays, I think most people kind of know this, but if you don't, there's uh, something called the mothership model, which I think is what more so me and Josh use, which is where we have our places that we work out of at home. I actually have two places. I have one here and one uh, at the church that I use that I built out for as a songwriting and production space for um, me and Shama and a couple other people to use. But then when we need to track things like drums, choirs, like I would say, I wouldn't say gang vocals because we have plenty of room to do gang vocals, but like choirs, like, or strings, like we want to get like a small orchestra together or like a, you know, sections of an orchestra together. You can just rent a studio for, so Josh, how much was, uh, how much is the spot that you rent up there? I, I I'm I'm heavily discounted because we're homies. Okay, so, so but do you, say, do you know the rough rate? So he is like sixty five or seventy an hour, and then 
so without, so a half without day an engineer, in there is like two or three hundred dollars, something like that. But like yeah. he, I think he cuts the rate in almost half or something like that. If when you, you don't when you go half engineer. day and full day, yeah, no, like when you don't have an engineer. Oh yeah, so that this is another, and since we're on engineer, this is another place for why you being an engineer and also doubling up in skills right so you being a producer and an engineer or you being a a songwriter and an engineer and knowing how to run your own run studio spaces on your own can actually give you a super heavy discount on a lot of places and they'll just give you an assistant yeah well so it's it's like a one-man show like it's very much a bigger project studio so yeah this control room like the whole studio was designed by like this really great designer guy mm-hmm. and then he gave them plans for it all and they built the place by hand basically Heck yeah. and like even their desk and um so it's a nice size control room mm-hmm. comfy couch plenty of chairs um bunch of rack gear just like the typical like some yeah some dope preamps some dope compressors like nothing too fancy a few eqs like whatever and then um there's a i would say a small to medium-sized live room like it's comfortable for drums it's very comfortable for drums but it's nothing extravagant and then there's two iso booths and that's it and um it's funny though because like i only really go there if i have to track vocals because like it just sounds better and plus i get to run like lately my go-to chain has been the slate fox on the modern setting that's like a millennia style pre and then yeah. i run it into just a uh retro uh style level so you're and you're you're and most of the, what you're doing in there are you songwriting you're, you're songwriting in there some yeah so i mean i i just had like two super late nights yeah and uh Cause it's so tight. Like, you know, yeah. if he doesn't have anybody coming in, he'll be like, yeah, just yeah. show up late and stay as long as you want. Just Heck lock yeah. the door. That's super you know? cool. And like, and, you know, uh, building a relationship like that is also definitely something you should try to do regardless. Yeah. Well, on top of that though, like it's not even like I had to try to do it. Like a no. lot of people in music are very similar and like, mm-hmm. he's just a dope dude. Most people and, are just chill, dude. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I, and plus I'm super easy to deal with because mm-hmm. I come in, I make a very minimal ruckus about what I need. He doesn't have to do anything anymore. He had to show me how to use his patch bay. Like, yeah, and that's it. You know, the first time I was there a few years sure. back. But like now I it's funny because like I rent this big space and I show up and I put my arrow on the desk and I patch in and out of the patch bay. Yeah. So I just run his pre's right into my follow mm-hmm. and then i run the outs into his uh monitor st and then you're out and then i just tr- track the vocalist right next to me in the control room because the control room just sounds so good and then like and also it's just for songwriting too so if you need like if you needed to retrack it like that's whatever well that's no like I'm, I'm that's where i'm doing all my takes now oh really yeah because i get a better performance out of a vocalist when they're sitting next to me or if like you know i put them yeah. on a big comfy couch they feel like they're at their house yeah you know, and then like I'm able like they get immediate like visual feedback from like mm-hmm. how I react and stuff like that. They aren't hearing me through a microphone. They aren't being stared at through two different panes of glass. For sure. Y- you know, like like booths are just weird, man. Yes. 
And so I've been doing that lately and it's just been fantastic because then I don't have to reroute anything mm-hmm. for his Aurora. And like, I, I mean, it's kind of funny, like I'm using a $500 UA <laughs> yeah. interface over a $3,000 Aurora, but like there's no difference. Yeah, dude, you're, you're freaking just doing work, man. So yeah, so that's, you're, you're looking at, and so I wanted to look at like, this is like a mid tier studio mid to high tier studio right um yeah so actually if anybody wants to look it up it's called Firecase studios no so i so this one that i'm looking at is uh so Firecase sick gat three uh in charlotte is 115 an hour or 760 a day that's what the big that's the big one right and so yeah yeah that's the and that's the a room yeah, that's the A room. That's the big one. And then their B room is 95 an hour or 680 a day. But it also has a vocal tracking booth and like a bunch of other rat gear. Is that too. with an engineer? Yes. That's tight. Yeah, so it's like it's pretty good rate for with an engineer too. So if you're like just working on stuff. Um, so somewhere in between there, realistically should be able to be affordable for you to you know build that into your project rate and say okay um I'm a producer we're going to do a rock record this is more for less for the pop side of things more for the rock side of things even though sometimes you might want to get a studio for the pop side of things just depending on what you're doing it's very situational uh but say I'm doing a rock record and we want to have live like real live drums um, before we sample them to death. And uh, we want to track it all in this dope studio with a bunch of outboard gear and that whole, we want to go the whole nine, get the full studio experience. Well, you can do everything else in your computer at your home studio or, you know, at your project studio or whatever, and then rent out this space for a, a week right and just knock out drums after the fact and not have to spend i mean dude you could you could spend easily a month in a studio tracking a record like you're saving whatever 760 is times 30 versus 760 times 6 yeah and like i um like, I, I think it's interesting, though, because, like, having come up in a not-so-traditional, like, studio environment, like, I almost prefer to push more for, like, the project studio places because they're just mm-hmm. so comfortable. Yeah, you know? they are. They're, you don't have to worry about, like, whether or not the gear decides to work that day. You don't have to worry about, you know, how, do I know how to use this stuff? Did somebody route something weird? to set up? Am I, am I going to blow $300 of the artist's money getting mic set up? You know what I mean? Mm. Like... I, I love just like being able to go in, get set up in twenty minutes, and just start working. And like, and you you spend two or three hundred dollars on it per day, like yeah, on a room. Yeah. yeah, I get to listen on a set of SM9s that I mm-hmm. adore. And I, actually, I don't adore them as much as I used to. They aren't yeah. bright enough. <laughs> they aren't bright. <laughs> so many anybody who listen to those speakers, they're like at like listening to this right now. And they're like, this guy's crazy. Um, <laughs> but uh. 
Yeah, like uh, just find a place that's comfortable and find a place yeah. that you can like learn how everything works. That way you aren't wasting money. So, so that's more of what we are trying to say is like based on what you're going to do, where are you going to work? So we'll kind of run through the, and we're not done with these, but we'll kind of run through these again. Songwriter, kind of pretty much anywhere. Producer, depending on the genre, kind of pretty much anywhere. Uh, and even almost not depending on the genre, kind of pretty much anywhere. Uh, the your tracking engineer, you're probably going to want some sort of space to work out of. Obviously, you could travel two people. I do that sometimes, uh, depending on what it is. You know, if it's um, they want they're from the other side of South Carolina and I'm in Greenville and they want to meet in Columbia because they don't want to drive five hours this way and I don't mind meeting them halfway. I can rent out a spot in Columbia or meet them in an Airbnb in Columbia, you know what I'm saying? In Columbia and spend way less money and track there. Um, so there's that aspect, the mix engineer. So this is where it kind of gets a little bit, you're going to want like to be way more when mixing and mastering the kind of, these kind of fall into the same place for me. Um, I know John is really f- getting more fond of the the headphone mixing stuff. I am not completely sold on that yet. I'm not. I'm. It, it terrifies I me, honestly. I, I never will be, especially the emulation thing, because here's why. Headphones are naturally going to distort way easier yeah. than speakers. Plus, you have the Fletcher Munson curve to yeah. factor in as well. Your ears are naturally going to be compressing yeah. um, the sound. And it's just like there is no way that you can possibly hear everything the same way. Can you learn yeah. how to mix on headphones? Yes, you can. For sure. But you're going to have a much better and easier experience if you just buy a good set of speakers and treat your room. Yeah. So that's the thing is you need a room for the mixing and the mastering side of things because it needs to be a very good set of, in my opinion, a very good set of speakers, either a mid mid tier to upper tier set of speakers, a, and a very well treated room specifically for your room and those speakers. Yeah. It needs to be as good as you can get it within reason. Yes. And um, like to the point where I would even go as far as saying work on headphones until you can afford good monitors, mm-hmm. like a minimum of like, you know, I have the Focal shape twins and like these are great. They do everything I need them to do. But like I wasted so much time by just like not buying these speakers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I, as soon as I bought these, I leveled up. Rob said the same thing when he bought his Amphions. He said, "Yeah, literally, I bought these, and the next day my mixes were twice as good." Those now, it's important to realize that like that gear doesn't make you better; it just doesn't hold you back. Yeah. So the, I, I would on, honestly say, buy one set of speakers and a good pair of headphones. And then work off of those until you can afford a really nice set of speakers. Yeah, I mean, I would just do, like, go go get a used pair of, like, HS7s or something yeah, like that. Like, like, yeah, they're good. Or I, that's what I mix on, anybody, and they, they work. Yeah, like, just get something decent that, mm-hmm. like, and buy it used, and then yeah. go buy a set of nice Focals, PMCs, Barefoot, 
any of those brands you really can't go wrong with. It's just a taste thing. Yeah. People will argue to death about it, but it's it's completely a taste thing. Yeah. And then I, on the I higher end of things. If you, you were have, to get because I do agree, you need something you need something to learn on, right? You need to learn something good enough to learn on. So like the sevens or the HS sevens, they're fine. Or like I feel like the ones you had before, the Dyn Audios, lid to lid sixes? The OID sevens sevens okay um like good enough to do what you need to do have people that's the other thing having people in the room if you do attended mixing sessions like i do um having people in the room so having speakers is kind of key for that and then getting a really good pair of headphones like i like mine a lot of people like the sennheisers look at what i'm using i don't even think i told you this I mean, oh, you can't see. Yeah, dude. These are the $50 Audio Technicas. Dude, they're, they, yeah, the Audio Technica I, makes, I, it's not they're those, kind of it's uncomfortable. the $100 ones, I think, that are really the, nice. The $150 ones, yeah, the those. M50s. Yeah, I'm I'm about to snag a couple pairs of those, because I, I have the R70s, and I bought those, because I was like, oh, yeah, like, I need good mixing headphones, because, like, I was too dumb to think that, like, maybe my speakers just suck, <laughs> and, uh... Then, like, my mixes still sucked on those. Well, so, like, in my biodynamic DT990s, I like them. They're open back, so you don't get nearly as much ear fatigue, and you also don't sweat your ears off. Uh, and it's got this nice little padding, so it's really nice and comfortable for, like, long wears, for, like, podcasting or for, like, you know, long mixing sessions or things like that. Uh, I think they're, like, 120 30 bucks, something like that. Not something crazy like that. expensive. Um, also just note, don't buy open back headphones if you're like tracking really processed yes. vocals. So you just get yeah, feedback. that's, that's a good point. Um, these that's have a lot of bleed in them because <laughs> they're cheap and I wasn't mad if like an artist like threw them across the room or something like that. So they've been working great though. I've abused the heck out of these. Yeah. And they still just keep on trucking. But, um, yeah, also like another thing about speakers, like make sure you listen to a bunch of different speakers mm-hmm. and listen to records that, you know, really, really well, because like everybody told me that you want mid forward speakers. So like when I bought my Dyn audios and like, I heard how like mid focused they were, I was like, yeah, these are sick. And then I wondered why all of my mixes sounded really scooped and the low end was just like completely just very hollow sounding blown out and just gross and then my mixes were super super bright and so if you want to know why i like really bright speakers with a lot of bass it's so i just make even yeah mixes. it's like, all it's all based different. on your ears dude yeah like i mean we have guys in our group chat who are like all about atcs because of the mid-range detail you know we have a couple guys on Amphions and they love them and PMCs like uh, Amphions notoriously yeah. have a muddy low mid but like they work around it you yeah. know like it's just figure out what works with your brain and then learn those speakers really well exactly um so I think that's a good so that's mixing and mastering um and I think this is going to we'll we'll oh yeah skip wait, the, wait wait we'll wait, skip wait, wait, the third wait, wait. one and then go into the fourth one room treatment Yes, so I so I'm gonna include that in the fourth one. So uh, okay, we'll skip into gear choices. So based on what you've decided that you're going to do, you're going to have different gear choices, obviously. So songwriting, 
once once again, you can kind of do it everywhere. You don't need a lot to songwrite. Um, if you know how to play an instrument, dope. If you have a guitar, cool. Piano, cool. Uh, Josh could probably speak from a more like practical perspective, but for me, I feel like as long as you have like a phone and something to play, I think it's probably fine. Basically, <laughs> uh, there are apps, especially depending on genre specificness. Uh, there are apps that help you a little more. Um, like I said, Hum is really cool for you know if you have a guitar and you want to like write with a guitar awesome uh there is a there's an app called um flip that andrew huang made uh and it's really cool if you want to like songwrite more of like a beat making style sampling style uh and you can like record your voice into it and stuff like that uh and it exports out into multi-tracks which is really sick for when you start getting into it's a phone app that exports out into like different session files like Ableton and Cubase and Pro Tools and stuff. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's wild. So it does, you, like you said, you don't need a lot. Um, uh, yeah, it's almost kind of silly talking about it because like I like there's probably hit songwriters out there who have like no clue how to use a DAW. So like, and then there's probably, and then there's obviously hit songwriters out there who are like some of the best producers in the world. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I'm sure there, like you said, there are guys that have never touched a computer in their life that have written hit songs. Though I will say, I feel like that's kind of the bare minimum. Well, yeah, like I like as long as you could get a demo together. Yeah, and honestly, even in just in like an iPad these days Bro, would I was work great. Like so, Ian, uh, what's his name? Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. Yeah, yeah, he was going through a session that they did with Dua. And um, at one point he was like, "Oh yeah, these are these are like the demo vocals," and it's just like, yeah, like she was just sitting on a couch singing into an SM7, and they were like really bad, unenthusiastic takes. But it's just like that's all it takes. Cool. Like you yeah. just, you just need to be able to get the demo done. You know, I, Lee was talking about that. Yeah, as well. You know, he was like, "Yeah, I just came back, came back working with these huge writers," and he's like, "Here's the demo," and it's just like a slap together guitar part and mm-hmm. a vocal like that, that's all you need like, cool yeah that works um yeah whatever you can do to get the idea across in the best way possible you don't have to yeah. have fully produced out ideas that's what producers are for. yeah and then like moving on to like you know like what a producer needs like you kind of figure out what you need as you go mm-hmm. i realized i was severely lacking on the software side of things and you know, so I've been really diving into that, buying new synths and buying all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's been great because I'm at that point where it's like, oh, yeah, I wish I bought this earlier, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm at the point where I'm realizing that, like, so I have a bunch of software stuff, obviously. I have, like, almost too much software stuff that I barely touch half of it. Uh, well, that reminds me, I have to install all my Ableton packs. Yeah, so... I I'm at the point now where I am kind of wanting more physical things. So like oh, me and Josh both bought um these. Uh Bro, they're so good for sampling farts and turning them into instruments. Yeah, dude. 
Um, for the wait, for those who aren't watching the video, we're talking about pocket operators. Yeah, the pocket I, operator. I have the PO thirty three. Specifically, so Josh sick. bought the normal one. I specifically bought the Street Fighter one because I wanted the one with all the Street Fighter sounds on it. Because I'm a nerd like that, but it's got a Hadouken uh, and everything. So, but yeah, it's a sampler. And then like I have the bass one. I got it for Christmas from my brother-in-law. He he gave it to me for my Christmas gift. Uh, the sub. And it's really cool. It's got a bunch of really cool bass sounds that like I've honestly not really heard very many similar things uh, in other software sense. And they're super simple. Just hit play. You can kind of just hook your inter- hook it up to your interface and go. Uh, but as a producer, kind of depending on what you want to do, you can either go fully software and like that's your thing, or you Greg. Can, Greg is a great example. Of that. Yeah, Greg produces, is a great example. He produces country music with real sounding instruments on it, and it's all just his laptop and. He also does a lot of remixes too, and that's mm-hmm. uh, it. Actually, works two twofold for him really well because he can produce country music that sounds real, but also then not have to worry about messing with like real instruments. He can just flip it right, flip that session right into a remix session, and it's all there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, and like, yeah, he's really quick. Like, you know, yeah. I, and I, it, once again, it just kind of comes down to like what you're doing. Like he doesn't do in-person production sessions. He's, he's like a track guy. So like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He literally know? sent us a picture cause he's moving, uh, they're built or they're building a house. That's what I think if they're building a house or they're moving house. I can't remember, but he sent us a picture of him like literally, uh, on a table. Wasn't that Greg? I think. Yeah. I think that, I thought that was Greg. That sent us that picture in the chat, but it was literally just him like on his table with some headphones and like his interface and whatnot. It's like, all yeah. right, dude, dope. Like, do you, bro? That's what mm-hmm. you need. That's all he needs. Yeah. But then you, or then you have guys like, you know, your bigger guys that get into like, like, uh, Kenny Beats with his like, uh, tape machine routing system and like, he's got a drum, bunch of drum kits and guitars and, bass and stuff like that and to be honest he and i think half the time he ends up just like using those things as ideas idea getters you know what i'm just gonna go out and say it i'm gonna think that this entire talking point is kind of pointless because it comes down to like you have your computer you have your interface you have your speakers headphones whatever yeah and like in a lot of cases like a lot of these bigger guys are even working on laptops because they want to be portable and so now they're able to take that rig and they can go write something in a hotel room. They could go take it to a studio and work on it. And then they could bring it back and plug it into their rig where they have all like Kenny beats is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, and like, that's the model that I'm going to, like I have a Mac mini that I could take anywhere, but I just bought a laptop. I paid way too much money for a laptop. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I have, yeah, that's the same. I have two places that I work out of with very similar rigs for the reason of I have a baby in my house and I don't want to have strangers coming over to my house or I don't want to have people being loud or whatever, you know, come over to my house while my baby's trying to sleep. So I literally just have two cables that I unplug and I take my hard drive with me plug my hard drive into the dock at the other studio, plug the two cables back in, 
and I'm good to go. And it hooks up to, we have three screens at the other studio. It automatically hooks up to everything. I have my routing. I have our preset, a uh, routing preset on my, you know, my Apollo here and then a routing preset on my Apollo there that is slightly differently with presets for like vocal chains and stuff. Um, they just hit load preset. Bam. I'm in. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like what I do at the studio that I run out. Cause like, it's literally the only difference is that I plug in different cables and then I disable my LA2A on my UA um, mm-hmm. console. Like, that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is really dependent on what you want to do and what workflow works best for you as the producer. And, like, naturally, like, that'll grow. Like, you're, you're either going to yeah. go one way or you're going to go another. And it's not really, like... Like, I, I, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. No, you're going to you're going to have interest and you're going to kind of like say, oh, I want to have this kind of sound, but I'm kind of tired of using, you know, this same exact plugin or whatever over and over again. And I want to try something real. So I'm going to buy a real NPC, you know, or I'm going to have something tactile. So, yeah, like so that's that's literally like the setup that I'm pushing towards. Like I'm going to have the whole rack set up so I can route stuff out to an eight track. Mm-hmm. for that good old-fashioned trashy tape sound and then um i want to get a like an actual hardware sampler just to kind of get me away from the computer and then i want a couple synths yeah and like so like that's and the rig that stuff that takes you out of the box sometimes to be more creative can make you think in a different way than but it would be clicking it's stuff. a lot less time efficient you know and so like there, there's trade-offs for everything, exactly. and I, I think, like, those things are technically luxuries because we have 16-year-old kids, like, charting on Billboard right now using nothing but a cracked version of 3D Loops. Bro, using... There was a dude that produced, like, some hits on literally GarageBand on his iPhone. Like, it's... We don't... You don't have excuses uh, dude, to Dude, I saw... Maddie Healy, like, did a whole song on GarageBand on his phone. Yeah, that it's was crazy, cool. dude. So then we kind of go to the next area, which is tracking, mixing, and mastering. These have more similar things. Um, Mixing probably looks more similar to the producer side of things. It really just depends on what you're wanting to do. Uh, I think most mixers that I know are almost 100% in the box nowadays. Yeah, same. Um, I can't really think of very many people other than like huge names that are sending yeah, like, stuff out. Like we really like, um, you know, John Castelli's work. And even then he doesn't have a ton of outboard gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, he has a ton. It, he it's has like, a ton for him. He has like 60 grand in that rack. But like they're literally what? They're, they're channel strips because they yeah. all have preamps in them. And then he just has them all set up and it's like a quick workflow thing for him. It's like, oh, I need more of this. So I'm just going to route it here and then print it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's even then, like, you know, he's he's doing some of like the biggest records that are out. And it's also not like having to keep recall sheets and all that kind of stuff. His is like everything stays set pretty much always. And then he just prints something back through it. Right. And that's that's how CLA works too. He keeps a lot of his stuff set the same way. Mm-hmm. So that's how a lot of those old guys work. He's like they just yeah. don't have the time. Yeah. I uh yeah I can't think of I can't think of very many people that are using like inserts and on stuff nowadays. Or even like a full board. Yeah, dude. I can't it just sounds it's kind of pointless. 
Sounds stressful. I mean, also, like, you know, I, I think, like, our friend Seth is, like, my favorite mix engineer, and he's, like, entirely in the box. Oh, yeah. I think he, I think he is summing. So that's, yeah, I think the, the most thing, and same for Lee, right? Lee uses that two-bus summing uh, Neve thing. I, well, I wouldn't call that summing. He just it's has not really summing, but yeah. Yeah, so you'll see a lot of people are now doing stuff on their mix bus, mm-hmm. and it's subtle things like saturation, like to get that analog sound yeah, back. EQ lifts, and then, a little compression like, here and there. Yeah, Summing is huge right now, and there's a million different summing boxes on the market if you look on like Sweetwater or Vintage King. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I haven't tried it myself, but from the things I have heard, it does seem like there's a little bit more headroom. Yeah. It feels just like a little bit more open, but it's so subtle like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it, it. That's more of like a I'm doing really well, and I want to try this thing for taste, bro. Especially how much it costs. Exactly. <laughs> like by the time like you buy everything that you would need, you're looking at like like if you're going just from you know like an Apollo like two channel kind of deal, mm-hmm. or even like a small eight like AD setup, like. You're looking at like a minimum of thirty five hundred bucks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because you would need a bigger converter, and then you would need the actual box. So mm-hmm. realistically, probably like six or seven thousand dollars. Yeah, That's yeah, it can get pricey. Dog. So it's like, is it really necessary? Probably not. People mix things all the time in just all in the box on a laptop. I mean, I mix everything a hundred percent in the box on a laptop with headphones and one set of speakers, and I think it. I know I'm not obviously I'm not like charting left and right, but I'm making a living off of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think mixing is more closer to producing in that aspect. Uh, but you do need things like speakers and headphones and a lot of different kinds of software. But where you kind of trail away from that is the tracking side of things and that's where you're going to spend the majority of your money if you decide to get in the tra- into tracking and like engineering uh yeah there's, there's a lot of money this is where most of your money is going to go like in my opinion i like, you, you got to have I, some quality stuff for people to want to use you for as a tracking engineer yeah, right. And like there's just a lot that goes into gear. There's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into room treatment. There's a lot that goes into everything. Dude, and it's just like gear upkeep alone. It's silly. It's like yeah. another rent price. So and uh, it's just be prepared. I just wanna if you're if you're like I love tracking people, I love getting dope sounds, I love doing that. awesome. Just be prepared to spend a lot of money on the on your front end. You're still better off just like renting a place out. Exactly. And what you're honestly, what you're better off doing, and this is maybe a really good aspect, is rent one place out consistently, maybe like one or two places out consistently, and learn their gear better than they know their gear. So that you can come in there and be the guy that even, so like if, and this is actually a really good point for just getting work, but. If you're the guy that knows their gear better than they do and they're like, oh, well, we need an extra engineer. None of our guys can do it. Like they're going to call you because they trust you and you know their gear really well and you obviously get really good sounds. You know what I'm saying? So that's some that's a different conversation, but that is a reason to do it. 
Uh, and you're not going to want to spend, I don't know, 50 grand on a rack unit. <laughs> like that one of those, like one of those old vintage LA two A's are like, Oh God, I would want to say like if it's 10. vintage and in good condition, probably around ten grand. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like they're 10-ish. selling new ones for forty two hundred. Yeah, you know, and so it's just it just gets silly. Um, for me, like I want a really nice vocal chain, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's literally it. I'm I'm still going down the mic rabbit hole because I've yeah. been learning more and more about microphones and what you want out of a microphone and like how it suits the genre and different voices and stuff. And so that's cool. I'm going to be testing out some new mics here soon. And uh, then after that, it's just like UA stuff is so good right now that yeah, I don't think I need any other outboard gear for a long time. Yeah. Between UA and soft tube, they kind of got you, got you going, man. They got me covered Yeah, I mean, here right now. Oh geez. I'm probably tracking through it. That's crazy. Your soft tubes? No, I'm going to sound super, super scooped because um, I literally just run the UA precision channel strip and that just basically works as like a, like a little safeguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a ton of subtractive EQ and I have to boost a high shelf on this mic. Nice. Um, then I run a DSer, and then I run an LA-2A. And this is all and, before it even hits the DAW. This is all just in console. Yeah. Yeah. And um then on the input I'm just running like the Neve preamp. And uh yeah, that's that's literally it. And yeah. what's funny is is going from that to like the analog chain at the studio, it's a very small difference, but it's just enough that like it makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want to spend thirty five hundred on a yeah. retro compressor, but like that's a sick compressor. Yeah, it does dude. a lot of different things, and it's super safe. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's. I don't really know enough about mastering to talk about that much, so we'll just kind of land here with the gear side of things. Um, I'm not talking about mastering. They're gonna come and kill us, bro. I'm not even like I don't even. I I'm all I dumb. know is the very I'm so basics. I'm just trying to get a mastering engineer in here to talk about all this with bro. Um, like I what? hate, I hate being like mastering isn't a dark art, but like it is dude. Yeah. Every time I think I know what mastering it is, what mastering is, I quickly learn that I do. I have no clue what mastering actually is. And then you listen to, you just watch Seth and Moshe and Brandon just like talk about a bunch of different stuff. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. And then David's in there just like going off. Dude. And he'll be like, well, you know, (laughs) this different brand of off amps. And I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? Hey, you know know what I use? I I use a universal audio arrow. Yeah. Compressor go burr. Um, (laughs) Compressor do go burr. uh, Big chord go click. Yeah. Big chord go click, dude. Uh, The. Yeah, I think. Simplest way to say it is songwriters don't need much. Uh, producers, maybe get a really good vocal chain, uh, but you don't need much. I would say if you're just starting out, 
That you, is one thing I'm going to say. Looking at all these studios, they either have really nice vocal chains or they don't have anything. So the mm-hmm. studio I ran out, like, you'll you'll come to find that if they came up in metal, there is a great chance that they do not care about their vocal chain. Yep. And um, that's been wild because I, I really don't completely love this BH2. I like it because it's lightweight. And it's easy to take around with me. Convenient, yeah. I would rather use this than any microphone that he has. Yeah. On vocals. And like, you know, I, I was looking at places down in outside of Tampa and like all those places, they, you know, it's either, okay, you could get a C800G, which might sound good on the vocalist. And you're paying, you know, a $700 block just to yeah. use the mic in a project studio or it's get the affordable place that looks comfortable and then they're like we have an SM7B yeah exactly dude i okay yeah, maybe I not think- that bad but you know what i mean it's like it's like i'm not going to go like just trust like a mojave mic like yeah. a mojave ma300 on any yeah oh yeah yeah i i'm just not like oh that's your tube mic like i'm good yeah you know? i would rather i'd rather use something i know Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's why that's also another reason why I'm on the, on the yeah. hunt again. No, for sure. But I think as a producer, I, I definitely think it's like, especially when you're starting out, it's either find a vocal chain you like and just spend the money up front or which this is actually what I would recommend. I would recommend not doing that. And I would recommend getting something like an, an, uh, uh, an arrow, like a universal audio arrow. And learning via the internal console how to use vocal chains in that. That's like what Josh does. I do that too uh, in a lot of travel yeah. gigs. And then whenever you have the opportunity to swap it out for the real thing, it's only going to sound better. And, and, like, and you kind of know how to use it and it reacts a little differently, but you can kind of experiment there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. After I run this mic through the Slate Fox and the style level... It's like I throw on my preset EQ that I use all the time on this mic, and all of a sudden it sounds 30 times better than if I just EQ the digital mm-hmm. signal. Or not digital, you know what I mean. The printed the, the signal. plug-in one. Yeah. And so like I um I, I think it's important just to like kind of ease your way into things and like still always have that like fallback of like, oh well, at the end of the day, I know I can get good enough with this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and especially when you're starting out flexibility is kind of the name of the game for you at that, at that point, I, I would say you, cause you want to be able like we said, you want to be able to do as much as you can to learn, like we said, at the beginning, what you really enjoy, what you don't really enjoy and having a flexible gear options is, is kind of part of that. Um, so now we've like, we know what we like, we know what we're good at. We've kind of found that common ground. We know where we're going to work. Uh, whether it's we're songwriting out of a extra bedroom or we're building out like our extra bedroom to be a mixing space or we're, you know, renting out a place whenever we need to do big tracking projects or whatever that might look like. And we have an idea of what our gear is going to look like. All right. So then we go to branding, which is kind of a simple conversation for me. Uh, I see it in one of two ways. If you're a songwriter, you're a producer, you should probably self-brand 
If you're an engineer working out of other studios, self-brand. Uh, if you're a mixing engineer and you own your own place or you're not and you're not and you're or you're working out of random places or a mastering engineer and you're kind of working from your home, I personally self-brand for all of those. Uh, that's just my my opinion. I also, the only all, I would say unless you are building a physical place. Uh Studios, but then also keep of. in mind there's like produ- pro- uh producer names out there too. So and so and that's what and that's what I mean by self-brand. I I'm, I'm kind of calling that self-branding. Oh yeah yeah. So like my Drew brand is my producer brand, right? But I'm not calling my house a studio because to me that kind of is disingenuous because it's not this big complex. And maybe that's just me being like a little bit weird about like cuz I've worked in big studios like Gat3 and some other ones that I would just say that's kind of uh, that's a studio. That's a company that is it it does a different thing, right? Like to me if I I want if they're coming to work with me, I want the brand to be about me. I don't know. Man, that's just my thought. Josh, what do you got? What, what are your thoughts on it? No, that's my same thought, too. Yeah, that's kind of your thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have under here. Uh, did you write that or did I write that? Self, unless you're literally just a studio. <laughs> that was me who wrote that. Yeah. So, th- I mean, yeah. Self-branding is important. I think that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother podcast conversation. Um. We've talked about it sometimes, I think, in a, in a few past episodes. But I think we could do a full episode on self-branding one day. I know that's not your favorite conversation, Josh. But uh, actually, it would be really good to get on that is Mark. Mark Eckert would be a really good person to get on that. because yeah, he's, he's, oh, he's good at branding. He's really I, good I at just, branding. I, I just kind of hate my last name. So then, you know, I made a second Instagram. <laughs> And then I was like, man, this is exhausting. And now so I you just went back it. to using the original Yeah, one. well, so now right now the idea is is that the Josh Wright songs tag is just going to be like my Instagram portfolio. Mm-hmm. And then like I have my personal one too. And then I'm probably going to start getting my production credits listed as Josh Wright songs because that's so funny. Yeah. The fact that like I produced it, but like my producer name is that I was writing it. So it's just all <laughs> stupid, and I might as well just follow through all the way 100% because nothing matters and we all die. Dude, a so. living meme, bro. <laughs> it's just stupid. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you have all these stupid production names out there yeah, nowadays. for sure. Dude, Jetson so. made it. That's... That's that's a dude. That's, I need a cool. I need a cool producer tag, man. Like, Nick Mira's Nick, You're Stupid is, like, yeah. iconic. Yeah, Woke Kenny. And, uh, Jetson... Uh, oh, Lord, Jetson made another one. Like those are those are dope. They're so dope. Like, uh, yeah, you just gotta have. I I might just I might just do the tasty one. Tasty, or or no, it's uh it's it's uh here you should be able to hear this. I have it saved over here. I have it on I have it on deck as if I'm actually ever gonna use it. Okay, but it's. (laughs) 
That's awesome. Yeah, so that's going to be tight. There you go. That's going to be tasty. It's kind of um, hard, though. I did it as a joke, and then I got yeah. a bunch of compliments, so it's going to um, become a thing now. <laughs> but, yeah, I, we'll, we'll have a whole other conversation about self-branding. I think that's a too deep of a conversation to go into on such a very broad uh, episode such as this. Um, I mean, we've also been talking for like three hours. Nah, dude. It's only been an hour 15. Uh, not even. the. So the last little bit is, and maybe this is just like, this is a short end of the conversation, but it's like the little things about your place, you know? Have some vibe, dude. Build Have some, the vibes. Like, and I think honestly, it's super important, especially for like guys that are songwriting or guys that are uh producing in spaces like having like you said a project studio sometimes just feels better i mean i don't know i feel like the most creative spaces are the ones that aren't perfect Mm -hmm. you know like like fire k is really cool like mix of that because like it feels perfect but it's also like laid back Mm mm-hmm you know, like because it, the amount of gear isn't intimidating. It's just a nice control room. Yeah. You know, but it, it definitely doesn't feel like um, what is it, Conway or no, 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 Woodshed? Yeah. I forget which place it is, but it's literally just like you're in someone's living room. Yeah. And like those yeah. are the best studios. There's there's a couple guys I know that are very big into like so a guy w- that I know in um, Cabarrus County is like North Charlotte. Uh, he literally bought a house and flipped the entire house into a studio. Uh, I'll, I'll link it into the yeah, they a did a walkthrough of his studio. This uh, YouTube channel did a walkthrough of his studio. And he, I mean, it's literally, it's homey because it's literally a house. He keeps the kitchen. The, the kitchen is like, it's an open floor plan. So the kitchen is facing into like the control room. So the kitchen and control room are like next to each other. So you could like be getting coffee and like mixing a record, but it's like this huge setup. Yeah, I, I always like that. It's it really feels dope. Right. What were you saying? I, I, I just said I always like that. Like it just feels right. For sure. And then like the room behind you is like your drum room that you have, you know, really well set up with like, it's you know, your light. And like you have a really comfortable vibe in there, but you don't feel like you're you feel like you're in a professional environment in a studio, but you don't feel like you're uptight and you're about to get yelled at for stepping on something wrong. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um so and then like, bro, keeping your place clean, having good lighting. Uh I know we we talked about a couple of different people. LEDs are super popular right now for some reason. Uh, I don't quite know why, but natural lighting is the vibe, dude. I am way more like you can, my room right now is all natural light. Like this is a big open window. I just have a, I have a window over here and a window over here and I just have some like really thin shades over or not even shades. It's like a cloth, like curtain over it so that it tints the sun. So it's not super bright uh and it kind of gives my room like a nice like bluish glow whenever the sun rises it's really nice um so like i was super intentional about that that's also the brand colors for my place is like 
earth tones and grays and blues and greens. Uh, so, yeah, and honestly, dude, I don't like feeling like I'm in a hole. Same. I'm like, not a fan. I worked out of that studio in Durham, and it was, I mean, their old spot was really cool. Like, it was really nice and well built out, and it sounded really good. But, like, I would go in there at, in the winter, I'd go in there at, like, early in the morning when it was kind of darkish, right? Like, seven, something like that, uh, seven or eight. And I wouldn't leave until six, and it would still be dark when I left. Yeah. So it's like I never saw the sun that day. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's super disorienting. Yeah, man, I don't I don't understand the obsession behind that. It's a very old studio thing. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, most studios that are like bigger and older are very built out in the way of like complete isolation, which is there's a place for it for sure. Uh, but I I don't know the the I showed you the place where they moved to that place that's uh in that loft. The studio mm-hmm. that was in Durham moved into a place down uh, a couple cities, a couple towns over called Graham, and it's literally on the main street in a loft above like a barcade, and it's got these big windows, lots of natural light, like it feels so comfortable to work in, right? And, like, and I don't feel. I don't know. I don't. It's a lot less claustrophobic. I think that's one part of it, man. I just, I just get way too claustrophobic in places like that sometimes, and I get sleepy. That's the other thing. I get things. sleepy too. You get sleepy too. Yeah, I just get, especially if there's like a big comfy couch in a really like no sunlight dark studio, and it's kind of like the couch is warm, but the air's kind of got like that nice chill to it, bro. Oh, it's game over. I'm out. I'm out. Going right to bed. Yeah, conked, dude. Um, so let's kind of go over everything from top to bottom. First things first, pay attention to what you like, find out what you're actually good at and people hire you for, and let's find a common ground between those two and pick your, what you want to do, do lots of stuff and then whittle it all down to find out what you want. And that might change throughout your lifetime, but as a starting place, you know, that's a good it's a good place to start. Uh, where are you going to work, Josh? Where are you going to work? Is it going to be your house? Is it going to be a spare bedroom? Is it an apartment? Is it a dedicated space? Are you just going to rent a place out? Yeah. I mean, that can kind of depend on what you're... That depends on option one. But I think those are all very good options. Uh, we skipped number three and went to number four first. So what gear are you going to be using? Most everybody's going to be using a computer because that's pretty much how we do things nowadays. I don't know very many people that are using straight to tape nowadays. Uh, better on you if you are, though. Like, good luck. I've used tape before, and it's annoying. Um, but, you know, computer at least. Mic's interface, depending. Do you need a lot of gear? Do you need just your, your laptop? Um, be thoughtful. Oh, we have that note. Be thoughtful, not wasteful. 
And I think more so what we mean is like, be intentional about your choice. Be like really well thought out about the gear that you choose based on what you do. Don't buy it because it's a cool piece of gear. Buy it because it's going to make you better or advance you in some way. Yep. Uh, and then we got branding. Like, are you yourself? Are you going to be a studio? To me, it's as simple as that. Like, I don't like the idea of branding something. Blank, blank studios. Um, go with your name and audio. Go with something cool. Go with a producer tag or a songwriter tag. That's a much better brand to me than, you know, Leaf Twig Studios or something. I don't know. Right. Um, and then the little things, man. Have a good vibe. Natural light is awesome. Don't don't discount the the fact that natural light can make your uh your studio session be a lot smoother and a lot more fun in general for everybody um it's got to be a place where people actually want to (laughs) be that's for sure keep your crap clean man keep your place clean uh have offer coffee offer water offer whatever good lighting make it honestly if you think about it this way if you can make it instagrammable it'll make it look like it's a place where people want to hang out Yep. And as stupid as that is to say, if that's really the truth, honestly. It, it's definitely the truth. Um, anything else, Josh? Anything else you want to say about it? I think if they follow kind of our guidelines here, they'll have a good first step into working on their own first place. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been another episode. It's been real. It's been good. But it, and it's also been real good. It's been fantastically good. <laughs> um if you are listening to this on your podcast player real quick before we end the episode, I want you to go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you aren't already because uh, we have a couple, but I'd like to kind of start pushing those a little bit more. It helps, you know, get the podcast out there for people uh, to to help find us, and it pushes them to their recommendeds and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, if you want to share it with somebody, or if you just want to like help out your boys, go to the Apple Podcast section in your iPhone and find the podcast. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the show and if you're having a good time or not. Um, rate it, all that kind of thing. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can just share it to your Instagram story. That would honestly be a huge help. With And like tag us on Instagram at Home Studio Hangout, at Josh Matatech, at Music by Drew. Uh, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to drop that in on the end, but thank you so much for hanging out with us, talking about the my first studio uh build i guess is a way to say it and yeah. we are out adios
And that's it for this episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave a review. It helps the show so much. Kind of get out there for new people to find. Uh, If you want to watch this, if you aren't already, uh, check us out on YouTube by searching Home Studio Hangout. Uh, And thank you so much again for giving us your time and your attention. And remember, keep on creating.